just like that another day another episode man it's been a while since i've done a solo episode so lucky you you got me all to yourself doctor how's it going i'm good how are you I, i'm great yeah uh, things has been great i got i finished an exam today and i did well so i'm feeling very good uh, and uh feeling better since i'm actually interested in today's topic so let's let's get right into it let the world know who you are and what you do I am Dr. Betsy Chung. I'm a clinical psychologist. I practice in Southern California, um, and I primarily work with individuals, and I help them improve their relationships with other people as well as with themselves. So when I say improving their relationship with themselves, a lot of times that means like, you know, self-esteem and, um, you know, how you view yourself. Do you like yourself, um, your self-worth, how you view yourself in compared to you know, the, the rest of the world and things like that. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm a relationship therapist, but I don't work with couples. Yeah. So a lot of people always confuse that. There's like, Oh yeah. So can you see me and my husband? I was like, no, actually I can help you improve your relationship with your husband, but I won't see you and your husband. <laughs> That's actually really interesting because it's like generally, like I thought most relationship doctors work with couples. Like this is the first time I actually hear like, you know, like a one-on-one and not a one-on-two, you know? So this is, this is great. I like, wow, I don't know where to go off to other than this. I have been seeing roughly with people around my age. So around like mid twenties and a bit older, uh, a lot of people are starting to think, you know, because I have this certain disability, I'm not lovable or I can't get into a relationship. I'm, I'm doomed to being forever alone, basically. And it's, it's, it's sad to see because I'm always like, uh, you have nothing to worry about, but they never take my word for it. So what, what, what do you have to say about like that kind of situation where people let their disabilities define themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting because I think that the word disability is so it, it, it's an interesting word because the truth of the matter is, is that there's no such thing as a perfectly functioning human. So, it, you know, when we think about a disability, what we're really kind of talking about is this person has this one thing that prevents them from functioning in this particular society. You know, and so what what we end up doing sometimes is, you know, um, when, when we allow certain flaws that we have that get in the way of you know, finding partners, what's really actually happening is it's our self-esteem that's the problem and not necessarily this actual disability. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, if you have, let's say, I, I don't know, let, let's blind. say that autism, for instance. I'm sorry, right. what you uh, I was going to use blind as a, because it's the most common disability. So but yeah, let's go with autism because that's, that's more interesting because those are the kind of people who already suffer from social interactions. So yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. And so basically, you know, when we have a particular perception of how, let's say, autism can impact us and what it means about us in this world, then we're going to assume that like, oh, people are going to judge me and people aren't going to like me. And so we're less likely to try Mm -hmm. new things, take risks because we're so afraid we're going to be rejected. And so like, for example, if, if I were to have autism and I were to, you know, assume like, oh, you know, those, those people are going to judge me and they're going to think that I'm weird. So as a result of that, they're, you know, not only are they going to try less, 
but they're going to be also more sensitive to signs that somebody's rejecting them. Mm-hmm. So let's say that, you know, they were to engage in a conversation with a new, you know, guy or girl that they're interested in. They might be more sensitive to, you know, certain behaviors it's like, oh yeah, that person, they, they kind of looked at me in a weird way. So that means that they're going to reject me. So what happens is that we end up rejecting ourselves before the other person can even reject us. So that's why, you know, when we have like these, like, I guess, so-called disabilities and, you know, it affects and, and it affects our self-esteem, then we almost create this problem for ourselves that doesn't even really exist. So if you can't learn to love yourself, uh, you shouldn't expect other people to love you. And like yeah. the simple, you know, dumbed down version of what you're saying, which I, I definitely believe in. I have to say it's it's like I 100 percent agree with what you're saying. But you touched up on a very important uh, statement there. Fear of rejection. Uh, it's like I've seen it firsthand and experienced it myself. It's it's hard to take like tackle that fear, but everyone has their way. But what I really want to know is, do you see it more in male or female, this this fear of rejection? I honestly think that it's the same for both. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think, you know, again, it, I think it really goes back to self-esteem and how we were raised and how we talk to ourselves when rejection happens. You know, I think that people that were, you know, um, raised with more reassurance you know, from parents that were able to make this child feel like they were good enough. So even when they make mistakes and when things don't work, they still feel like, okay, my mom still loves me. My dad still loves me. You know, this doesn't mean anything terrible about who I am, you know, and I still feel safe with, you know, like, like um, I'm not going to be rejected by mom just because I make this mistake or just because I have this particular flaw. True. So when we're able to kind of like talk to ourselves in, in positive ways, because our parents you know, kind of, um, they, they modeled that for us when we were a child, then when we get older in relationships, we'll also be able to kind of soothe ourselves and reassure ourselves when things don't go our way. However, if we were raised in environments where we kind of felt rejected or, you know, we were um, shamed for making mistakes and, you know, and, and not being perfect or something like that, I think, you know, we're more likely to take rejection personally because it's like, you know, because again, it's like we have this, this pattern that we repeat in ourselves, like, right. oh, am I not happy enough? Am I not good enough? Am I not cool enough? Um, you know, what do I need to do in order to make this person like me? You know, so, so I, again, you know, self-esteem is, is so huge. Right. So what is, how can someone work on their self-esteem? What is like the, is it, is it a baby step situation or like how? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, totally. It, it is. I feel like it needs to be in baby steps. Um, in the beginning, I always notice that it feels really inauthentic. You know, like mm. clients will come in and when we're starting to work on self-esteem, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes it'll come off very you know, affirmation, you know, like all that stuff that you, all those memes that you might see, it's like, oh, we're good enough, you know, like today will be a better day. And so yeah. I think a lot of times clients at first, they're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to repeat, you know, all these nice things to myself and I'm going to stop being so hard on myself. So there's a lot of like cliche things that you might hear, you know, on TV or hear, hear yeah. therapists say. True. And so I think that all of that really kind of comes from this inability to kind of like 
you know, the, the struggle that sometimes people have to kind of trust the process. But really what's going on is like when you slowly start to talk to yourself in a more compassionate way, um, you stop blaming yourself for everything bad that happens, mm -hmm. then slowly that's going to become habit, right? It's not going to like in the beginning, it's like you have to kind of remind yourself, oh, there I go again, talking to myself in this bad way. Okay, let me replace this thought with something else. But eventually the more that you're able to say like, you know what? that wasn't my fault that really, you know, like that, that's, that's not my issue. Mm -hmm. uh, like, so for example, um, the other day, um, cause I have an Instagram account and sometimes I post certain questions on my stories uh, for people to answer. And there was this link one in the that description to her Instagram account. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And so there, there was this one question that I asked people, I said, um, you know, because there's this therapist that said, you know, the moment that you start to realize that you know you're growing is the moment that you stop responding to certain triggers and that that feels wonderful so i started i asked some, some of my audience like what does that look like for you like how did you start realizing that you were growing so this one person said well i started realizing that i was growing when i realized that my ex-boyfriend cheating on me wasn't my fault you know that it was really about him not being able to be ready and him you know um new mistakes that he made you know feelings that he has about you know loyalty and commitment and it has nothing to do with my worth all right so what's the answer to like what's your answer to that question what what do, what do you mean when did you realize that you like when did you start to realize that you're growing you know i love that <laughs> you're kind of throwing it back on me when I was in I would say graduate school mm -hmm. um that was when I started to learn and I'll, I'll give you a brief background so I Go grew ahead. up in an environment where you know an Asian you know very traditional conservative environment yep. um mom and dad were pretty strict and you know and and basically it's like you need to respect your elders Right. Like no matter what, you just need to respect your elders. And so everywhere that we went, we went to uncle's house, aunt's house, wherever we would always have to go and say hello and greet each person. Um, and Similar so, theory. yeah. And regardless of what we thought of them, regardless of whether they were the scariest people or the nicest or the meanest. Exactly. People world, Even if you don't uh, want to, you have to go and say hi. Exactly. And so, uh, and so it. I was raised to just kind of believe like, okay, well, I just need to respect adults. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that, you know, in my mind, like I never really connected the fact that I grew up and became an adult. So I would mm. still see adults, like people that were older than me as authority and adults. So when I was in graduate school, I was interning at this, at this high psych hospital. And I had a little bit of a conflict with the staff there who was older than me. And so he kind of like, like chastised me in front of a, a client that I was seeing a teenage client and I felt embarrassed and I was like, oh my God, like, how can you talk to me that way? But I was like paralyzed. I was like, oh my God, like, what do You're I just say done. to him? Yeah. Like he exactly. just do. Yeah, no, that's so, fine. And that was so embarrassing. Cause like here I am supposed to be this kind of therapist and this role model to this client of mine, who's a teenager and really struggling, obviously, cause she's inpatient and. And so I talked to my supervisor at the time about it. And my supervisor was like, hmm, you, have you noticed that you get a little sheepish around authority? And when she said sheepish, I was like, oh my God, that is so embarrassing. Mom, dad, what did you do to me? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you guys. And so, and, and that was the most embarrassing thing. And so she asked me, she's like, okay, 
have you ever heard of the term assertiveness? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. And she's like, okay, look it up. So I went home, I looked it up and I was like, wow, I'd never heard of this term before. Never knew what it is. Learned about boundaries and all of these different things. I was like, holy crap, I have rights. Like, you know, there's like, I have rights and there are ways for me to stand up for myself when it comes to authority. Fair. So yeah, that was, I think the beginning of my journey to like self-esteem, self-sufficiency, you know, like that I didn't, you know, that, that realizing that, you know, I am an adult and I, I have a right to stand up for what I want and that, you know, I can't just keep looking at people that are older than me. You know what the issue is? The issue is, I, I, like, this just hit me right now. There are a lot of people that struggle to realize that they're shifting from childhood to adult. And I just, like, it just hit me, like, wow. Because I was thinking to myself, what was my answer to that question? And then I realized, wait, why did I not realize I've grown up since, like, and I'm just like, whoa, basically. Yeah. I was, like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You why know is that? It, it's because, like, we don't, you know, it, it doesn't mean that just because like you turn 18. So I, I don't know, like, you know, where you are, like what the, hmm. I guess, age of adult or growing up is. It starts, you know, it starts at around 17 to 21. We call this the changing phase of basically, yeah. Okay. So it's not as like black and white as here in the US hmm. where they basically say like, once you turn 18, you're an adult, hmm. right? So once you turn 18, there's certain rights that you all of a sudden have. And then when you turn 21, there's more rights. And then you turn 25 and there's more rights. But the truth of the matter is, is that we don't just like grow and then we turn 18 and then suddenly it's like, oh, I am a legal adult now. So it all of a sudden comes with the thought process of an adult, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't all of a sudden just, you know, gain this certain level of knowledge and insight just because we turn 18. So really what happens is that, you know, when we're growing, it's like we're just people that are just developing and growing based on mistakes that we make, lessons that we learn, and we only know what we know. So that's why it's like I only know what I knew when I was 17 and then a little bit more when I turned 18, a little bit more when I turned 19. But unless somebody like kind of tells me something different, then I'm always going to keep believing in this one track mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes yeah, always, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if yeah. I always see my parents, like, you know, for example, when we when we were born and we, we, we grow up, it's like usually it's our parents that are the ones that are taking care of us. They're the yeah. ones that are in charge of everything. So we completely trust them. You know, we and, and regardless of whether our parents are trustworthy or not, we completely trust them to guide us and, you know, help us survive, feed us and all of that stuff. It's not just that. It's as well as like an hour, like especially in Asian culture, I would say helicopter parenting is like. Yep. A lot. It gets a lot like and sometimes parents just forget that. OK, he's 21. I need to, you know like back back off a little bit like it, it's they're riding the wave until like marriage and it, it gets crazy so yeah no continue go ahead yeah. and the sucky thing about that though is like you know if they were helicoptering above us that also mm. prevents us from growing True. so some we are going to make more mistakes because they were always on top of us and you know so we become actually more dependent on them you know, and so and and so when they feel like, okay, now you're ready, right? Like now you're ready to go off on your own. I was like, wait, no, I'm not. 
you know, so it's, it's kind of like this, this, it's hard. Like Mm -hmm. adolescence is really hard because that's the age where parents are still trying to hold on. Kids are trying to figure out who they are and become independent. And so it is this very sensitive dance. And that's why parents and teenagers so often like bump heads because they're going in different directions. True. True. Yeah. Except me and you can't really bump heads with our parents because, uh, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's what I heard so much growing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, nah, no way. Am I like I, 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 dude? The thing is, with white kids, it's like go to your room, and that's about it. With us, it's like they either turn to Indiana Jones or Bruce Lee, and it's just like you get your mm-hmm. ass kicked because you, you basically yeah. said no. So yeah, no, nah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah, but one of the things that I, I think I actually find a lot, like you, you know, I like what you said when you said like, oh yeah. Like what happened? I didn't even realize right now that. Yeah. Like I feel like most most of my clients that are kind of young in the young adult age, Mm. like in their early twenties, there's this transition that I consistently have had to go through with all of them, which is this realization that their parents are not perfect. You know, there's a realization that their parents don't know everything and that they are just as flawed as they are. And that their parents make mistakes and that their parents sometimes, you know, will say things that they don't mean when they're angry. And that realization that like, oh, my parents aren't perfect. Sometimes it can be so validating. Uh, not just that. It's for some people, like, it can be very hard to accept. Yeah. Because it's like we've, as kids, naturally, we've, like, made our parents so holy and like flawless and like just you know perfect that as we grow obviously it's natural that you start to see like your parents okay wait i kind of don't agree with this i do agree with that and it's it's it gets hard to accept that you know lo and behold they're human beings too yeah 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 yeah, and it's just crazy so i want to get a little bit personal here you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but what was the age you realized that wait a minute my parents aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a really good question. I honestly probably twenty eight. Twenty eight. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I was like seventeen. And that's why. No, listen. As you grow older, I feel like it's easier to accept. Right uh-huh. at 17, it was the hardest thing for me to accept. Like, whoa, my yeah. dad isn't as perfect as I thought he was, or whoa, like, like I still love him to bits, even like in everything in their imperfection or whatever. Because my mom watches this, like, mom, I, st- I still love you, <laughs> but hey, you're not perfect, like, no one really is, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, like, it was, it was hard, it yeah. was, but but that made them more human to me, and that made me accept. Yeah. my mistakes in life right it made me learn to move forward instead of just looking back on the past yeah and i feel yeah. like in a way like you know in if we were to connect this to self-esteem i feel like that realization that our parents aren't perfect and aren't always right it almost like gives us the freedom now to make more mistakes and then yeah. we're more compassionate Definitely. you know so like if my mom was like, you have to get straight A's or if you don't get straight A's, then you're useless. You know, I mean, my mom never actually said that, but, you know, kids. Mine like did. That- no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. again. My yeah. dad did, though. 
my dad said that once to me i was just like uh, yeah pretty much no i was just like dad cease till you get your degrees that's that's the way i'm going with things it's just like oh you're useless <laughs> except yeah. yeah so i i think that you know the moment that i realized like oh my mom only got disappointed at me when i didn't get straight a's not because she doesn't love me but because she cares that much mm. you know it's not because i was useless it's not because i was a bad student because that's what i used to think right because like she I knows your potential exactly and and she just wants the best for me and most parents want the best for us you know actually i'm going to say all parents really want the yeah, best for us of course yeah. yeah of course even if they don't show it i've realized this even if they don't show it they always want the best for you it's just some parents choose to again helicopter and some parents choose to you know let nature take its course basically and you know it's it's cool either way like so do you think you're going to be a helicopter parent or do you think you're going to let nature take its course oh man people people have have said to me i, I remember that years ago my friends all started having kids i don't have kids just yet but um you've heard the term tiger mom mm. right so my friends i mean they're most of this group of friends are all asian chinese you know and so they had their kids and they were talking about being tiger mom then they're like i think betsy's gonna be a tiger mom i was like oh my gosh and i was like so i i was like really offended when they said that so honestly, what made them come to this i have to ask how did they come to that assumption like honestly i don't know and I find that so interesting because I, I, I don't know, maybe because I'm, um, I've learned to be more assertive in mm, my relationship. Fair. And, um, but I, I don't know, like, I, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm not a parent yet. Um, and, but I've been a pet parent and Ooh. as a pet parent, I was, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a, you know, like a, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I don't tell. see myself as being, yeah, I, I don't see myself as being a tiger mom. I wouldn't want to be a tiger mom. Um, I actually have a really good example, like a good model. My older sister, she's actually the only one in, you know, out of all my siblings right now that have kids and she has three kids mm -hmm. and um, she's a wonderful, wonderful mom. And as I watch her, she has a really good balance of being present for her kids and being permissive versus, you know, providing a certain level of structure and guidance. And, you know, and that that's what I would like to be like, I want to be able to give my kids like a good balance of like, okay, I'm here for you. Um, I want to help you develop you know yourself as a person i want you to feel like you are an interesting unique person so again like i, I feel like i'm always going back to self-esteem because that's what self-esteem really is is that yeah. you know the parent has to take an interest in this child and how interesting and unique they are you know it's like yeah. you are a good person and you are good enough the way that you are and i don't expect yeah. you to meet other people's expectations i just expect you to be the best that you can be you know there yeah i i like that that's that's really cool uh there's another thing i've noticed in the mentality of adults pre-marriage and post-marriage or actually let's not use that let's say pre having a kid and post messing up and having a kid right it's 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 crazy because like i have a lot of cousins 
they're all in their like late 20s early 30s getting married having kids and i know like you were crazy before you had a kid and now you're all like bunkered down and you know like thinking like a normal decent human being right so <clears throat> what happens there why like where what happened <laughs> i i really think it's just love you know oxytocin and just you know when you, when you truly truly love something so much mm. that you are able to you know stop i guess being more selfish with your own needs you know that forces you to be more responsible because it's like okay now i have this kid and i need to make sure that it, it's not just about me anymore i need to go to work i need to mm. be more responsible i need to you know, um, I, I, I need to, you know, I, I want this kid to succeed, you know, and I feel like there's this certain level of selflessness. And, yes. you know, and that's actually something that I learned. I never understood selflessness before until I fell in love. Um, okay. And I feel like, you know, when you truly feel safe with somebody, you're able to stop being as selfish and stop thinking about yourself all the time. Because now this person is very, very important to you and they kind of, you know, and, and, and it's almost like this person is so special to you now in your mm -hmm. life, irreplaceable, that there's certain things that you will do in order to make this relationship last, you know, yeah. in order to make it so this person doesn't suffer, you know, and so it's like I, I see myself all the time being selfless with my husband. And of course, I'm not selfless to a point where it's like I completely push my needs aside because that's where people pleasing comes in. So again, you have to kind of find that balance. It's like, okay, yeah. I need to love myself, but then sometimes, you know, like I want to be able to be there for my husband, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and so I think, yeah, like um, that's probably what you're seeing with all of your cousins is. You know, probably. Uh, but uh, on a different note, like, is it me or is marriage and relationships nowadays lasting like less than I don't want to say in the old times because that just makes it sound like I'm talking about the 1850s like our parents you know and their parents before like I feel like relationships whatever it may be even friendships sometimes like it's just short-termed it's never really happy ever after and like it's, it's crazy to see so what what do you think is first of all do you notice this too mm -hmm. you do I I personally haven't. Oh, okay. So I, I guess, I, I guess, like based on my observations, mm. you know, lately I've I've seen a bigger trend of divorces, like or people that are getting divorced. So yeah. right now, in my clientele, my my caseload, probably I would say I've got you know five or six people that are going through divorces. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm seeing, I guess, in terms of my work, is that when people start to develop more of a self-esteem and more independence, they're starting to realize, okay, maybe this relationship isn't right for me and there's something better out there. So this doesn't mean that I'm ever pushing anybody towards divorce, yeah. but that you might be seeing because this is you know what i'm about to say is based on research 
is that people are learning more about self-esteem and learning more about boundaries and standing up for themselves. And, you know, and, and so whereas before, you know, I think that the divorce rate, you know, it wasn't low, but it could have been lower because, you know, of like religious reasons and, you know, in, in like the fifties and stuff like more conservative approaches to marriage and stuff, people were less likely to get divorced versus now it's like, people are realizing like, okay, well, I'm unhappy in this relationship. And then on top of that, women are a lot more independent now and self-sufficient. So, you know, they might feel like, okay, well, I have my own job and I'm able to take care of myself. So maybe I don't need to stay in this relationship if I'm unhappy. You know, so I feel like people are starting to kind of like learn how to take care of themselves a little bit more. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good or a bad thing because, um, you know, really, I, I think that a lot of people still do get married before they are truly ready for it. And that can contribute to a higher divorce Fair. rate. Fair. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a fair statement. I'd agree with that, especially that point there, because uh, I think especially here in our parts of the world, people take marriage as just this, you know, like a, a contract of basically, yeah, I get to, you know, go do what I've been waiting to do for years. But it's it's not like that. It's more of a responsibility. That's what a lot of people fail to understand is you being on your own, that life is over. Like the second you sign that paper saying you're married, gone. You're no longer, you know, on your own. And they also tend to forget that it's a two-man team or man and woman team, actually, uh, or man and man, depending on where you are in this world or woman and woman. You guys do you, right? But uh, Or even like polyamory, right? Because that's a relationship as well. And, you know, and I, I feel like what I've kind of seen sometimes is that people don't know how to, you know, when they say that they, they want to be in a polyamorous relationship, mm. a lot of times what I've seen is a couple who wants to bring somebody in, you know, versus, you know, like having a relationship. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I agree or disagree, you know, but what I, I'm agreeing with is that when you decide to enter a romantic relationship with somebody, it generally should be mutual, right? Sure. Everybody has like equal rights and things like that. Um, but, in Arabia, yeah. you can marry up to four wives, just saying. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, so polygamy is actually a thing here. I see, okay. Um, but, you know, like, I feel like one thing that, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just me being judgy, I, I don't know. No, it's fine, I, you, can, you can share your opinion. This is a safe yeah, space. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Confidential, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, just you I and know, YouTube. Like, no one um, else. But I, I feel like um, there's some people that use marriage as a way of expressing love to each other. Like, you know, sometimes people are in the honeymoon stage and they're like just so into the relationship. There's so much passion. That's like, oh, I need to prove how much I love you. And I, you know, to communicate and express my love to you. Will mm -hmm. you marry me? You know, and it's just like, yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of that happen. So I don't want to say that there's any statistics out there or anything. I, this is just based on observation. And, you know, and, and I used to like watch a lot of like tabloid stuff and like celebrities like that. They like get married and divorced, like, you know, just like every yeah. two years. So I'm just like, oh, my God, like sometimes people just get really caught up in the moment and then they get married and don't realize like what goes into getting married. 
and it's like really it's it's a long-term commitment that you're making and it's it a is. commitment to you know like let go of some some not all let go of some of you and your previous life in order to form a new one with this person that you're agreeing to be in a marriage with yeah this that's uh, like very well said like i can't add anything to that that was very well said um well, here's another thing that comes to mind. So we have discussed on the, like today a lot about self-esteem, right? So as someone who's a heavy believer in self-esteem, where do you draw the line or how do you balance out self-esteem to the point where it's not too low, where I hate myself every single day, and it's not too high where I'm overconfident and everyone around me think I'm just a douchebag, right? So like, how do I balance it out or... How do you like either bring someone down from their high or put someone up from their low? I think exactly what you're saying is like, so self-esteem, it's really all about the self, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like imagine self-esteem as like, okay, if I am in this world without anybody else, you know, and I just have to figure out how to keep going in my life. So what that means is like, I, you know, if my self-esteem is too high, meaning, you know, if you're arrogant or overconfident, that would be like, I think I'm better than you, right? Like, so you're kind of comparing yourself to other people versus like, oh, you know what? I'm actually a really, you know, good artist, right? It's like, it has nothing to do with whether you're a better artist than somebody else. You know, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're good enough. And then too low of self-esteem would kind of be the opposite, right? Like, oh, like I am, I am not good enough in compared to that person. A balanced self-esteem would be like, well, my work is not, you know, as good or, or my work is not exactly like that other person, but there's something special about my work anyway. Fair. Right. So, yeah. so really it just kind of comes back to like yourself. It's just like, you need to just be able to like yourself, be confident in yourself when something, you know, goes wrong, be able to pick yourself back up in order to move forward. And it really has nothing to do with being better than anybody being, you know, overly confident. It just simply means like, you know, I, I can function in this world in a balanced, peaceful way. So being real with yourself, just, you know, yeah. Be real totally. with yourself. I get, yeah, that's that's a good advice. I'll take that on to know. So, I want to touch up on the positive affirmation stuff you said. Uh, I had a friend who won't say any names, but like he or she tried doing that, waking up every morning, you know, saying I, I'm amazing, I'm this, but they seem to find that it kind of doesn't work. So my diag my initial diagnosis was you're just not believing in what you're saying. You're just saying it for the sake of saying it. Is this a common thing you see when people, you know, start to take on the whole I'm great road or what what's what's going on? Yeah. I I I think that you're right. I think that, you know, when people say things without really understanding what's behind it and they're just mm -hmm. saying for the sake of saying it, then it's basically pointless. Right. So I think that, you know, they, they have like affirmation books and lots of like memes and stuff that talk about like self-esteem kind of stuff or like you can do this. You can look in the mirror and say that stuff all you want. But if you don't actually come from a place where you truly, truly believe it, it's it's not going to do anything whatsoever. Yep. You know, so if you look in the mirror and you say like, you know, I believe in you, you can do it. 
But then you walk away from the mirror and you keep telling yourself like, oh my God, like that person is so much better than me and I'm never going to succeed. And, you know, then, yeah, exactly. So I think that there definitely is this, you know, like that, that's part of the reason why some people are like, oh, affirmations don't work. Affirmations aren't meant to replace therapy. You know, it's not meant to replace self-esteem, you know? Um, So, I mean, they're basically just reminders for us sometimes, you know, once we do believe in something or sometimes it forces us to think about things in a different way. It's a brick in the wall, basically. Yeah. Like uh, a wall isn't made of this one brick that you place. No, it's a lot of things to combine and build up that wall of self-esteem. Yes, that's great. That's great. So judging on this past like 40 minutes of talking to me, how would you rate my self-esteem? Well, so far, what I what I see is you have pretty good self-esteem. I mean, you seem pretty self-assured in, you know, what you're saying and, you know, you seem happy. So Perfect. <laughs> how would you rate yours? I mean, I, I know myself. I'm, I'm always real with myself. I like to, here's what I do. So my routine of waking up every morning is I'm just like, oh, another day in the life, right? But I know myself well enough to know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at to, you know, like keep maintain my self-esteem let's say so i won't attempt anything i'm bad at just so i don't go like oh my god i'm so bad at life but i won't just stick to the stuff i'm good at where my confidence is like peek through the roof and i'm delusional because like i've been there once not going there again and yeah that's basically it's basically how i do it personally i just i remind myself i look at myself in the mirror and say hey you're not perfect no one is that's what makes human beings perfect is that we aren't perfect. And that's what I do every day. It's yeah. Well, that, that sounds like self-esteem to me because for me, self like one huge sign of self-esteem is, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of people assume self-esteem is. It's mm-hmm. humility. You know, it's being able to be authentic and be yourself and know that that doesn't necessarily automatically mean that people are going to reject you or hate you for it. I think that low self-esteem is where we try to present as perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly like hiding, you know, like it's, we can't be vulnerable with people. We won't admit mistakes. And so, you know, like I, I think that honesty and vulnerability, authenticity, all of those are just signs that a person has pretty good self-esteem. Like they, like, like you said, like you're able to be real with yourselves. Like I'm good at this. I'm not good at this and I'm okay that I'm not good at this. I'm but I'm going to challenge myself in order to get better at it if I want to yep. get better. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. You know, you know what I find is killing self-esteem a lot nowadays, especially in the 21st century. I think everyone who's listening to me now or watching now knows where I'm going with this, but this oh, bad yeah. boy. This this guy right here. This deteriorates, decimates destroys self-esteem because every time someone goes on instagram instagram is your prime example here because nobody puts their real life situation on instagram a picture that goes on instagram is either you with a fancy car wearing something fancy eating something fancy showing the best parts of your life Mm -hmm. and this i feel like this dehumanizes any person to a point where it's just crazy like it's like bro i know you that's not your car why are you acting like that's your like bro that's not where you eat every single day if you did you'd be broke by like two days after payday like what are you doing and 
at the same time, I sit with my friends and I hear them like, oh my God, bro, I wish I had this person's life and look at this, look at that on Instagram. I'm like, okay, that's the stuff he chooses to post. That's not his real life. Like you don't know what's happening behind the curtains. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Like I, I, I don't, I feel like I'm the only one among my peers that realizes that this actually destroys self-esteem. And it's, I don't know what to say, honestly. Like, do you have any comment? Yeah, I think that, you know, like that, that totally messes with our self-esteem because again, like if we don't think that we're special enough for being who we are, Mm -hmm. we start looking like outward to see like, okay, well, these people are special. Let me be more like them, you know? And so like when people are following fitness models that have 500,000 followers or something, like oh you know that's exactly what I want to look like that's who I want to be like and so we end up you know I I mean of course not everybody has the money to go get plastic surgery and stuff but like we end up like almost becoming like the same right like we lose this uniqueness because we just want to look like everybody else and that further destroys our self-esteem because it's like what makes you unique is slowly being covered up and being taken away and you're hiding it from everybody because you're just trying to look like somebody else or, you know, live somebody else's life. And it's not good to bottle that, that imperfection of yourself in because end of the day, away from your phone, social media, away from the Zoom conference, away from everything, you begin to realize that, oh my God, I'm being fake. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, and it's crazy because it really hurts inside and it sucks. And like every time, like there was a point in my life where I did do those kind of stupid shit. I will admit, guilty, right? But I stopped doing that because I'm just like, oh, but I'm being fake and I'm not being real and I'm sending like this crappy message. And I mean, what's done in the dark will always find a way to shine, right? Like it's it's literally like. Then, <laughs> you know what? what are you gonna say? Yeah, I. You know how sometimes when when you go through these like filters mm. and you, you know like so so what I like to do sometimes is I'll like watch TV with my husband. If I get bored, I'll just bust out my Snapchat. Like I don't I, I don't ever post anything on Snapchat, but I like playing with the filters. True. So yeah. but you know when you're like swiping through the filters, sometimes like it go like there there'll be like a snap of of like your normal face mm. because it, like the filter hasn't caught up to the next one. And so it's like, you're, you'll see yourself with these like beautiful filters. Yeah. And swipe there's like, oh my God, like that's who yeah. I, that's what I really look like. Yeah, dude. And oh. Like, oh my God, like I'm that ugly. Like, and it's, it's like the worst thing in the world. Cause it's like, like, no, it's, it, this is a filter. This is a fake digital yeah. thing. Make you look like somebody that you're not even. So True. create like expectations that you can't even meet you know and I remember like I was in high school oh my god me and my sisters we used to watch this show called models Inc. or something like that and these models were like six feet tall skinny and me and my sister are here like five three like normal (laughs) average body type and we used to try to buy clothes that look like these models we would just look at pictures like oh my god I want to look like that so badly but I'm just like Dude, we're never gonna be like taller than five three. Uh, the Santa and, Chief. <laughs> yeah, and then so I was always so depressed because like I'm never gonna look like that. But you know, one day I discovered Britney Spears, and I was just like, hmm. 
she's actually good looking as well but her yeah. body type is so different but my body type is a little bit more similar to hers mm. and so when i started to look at her and like i was able to kind of like remind myself like oh like i can be beautiful in my own way too yeah. you know like i don't have to look like a six foot tall model like you know, there's, there's beauty in somebody that doesn't look like that. So there's like different kinds of beauty. And so that's where I started to learn, I guess, how to accept myself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And because it's like, in the end of the day, like you cannot be anybody else anyway. So you might as well just get comfortable being who you are. Pretty much forget it's Brittany more like it's Betsy bitch, right? That's, 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 (laughs) yeah, that's, there you go. Just like that. Look at that. We've reached the timestamp. Dude, that this was a fun conversation. Yeah. Self-esteem, people, that's the way to go. That's literally the way to go. Like more self-esteem. One final question before I let you go. What's the future looking like for Dr. Betsy Chung? You know, I, I really don't know. Um, the the pandemic has completely changed, you know, my career in a positive way. Um Ooh. So I've, I've been, you know, continuing to see clients on, you know, pretty much a daily basis. But what I've also been, you know, um, getting really into is just sharing knowledge. You know, I just feel like therapists and especially therapists that are kind of in the public eye, we're, we're kind of trying really hard to almost make the world a better place. Like we want to give people the skills in order to learn more about themselves, convince them. Or, or like encourage them to go seek therapy so that they can learn to be happier and things like that. So I think that, uh, you know, part of what I've been doing is, you know, just moving more into, um, I guess the media sector so that I'm able to kind of share more of this information out there for people. So, um, but I mean, yeah, that so far it's like, I'm just kind of taking things as they go. I don't really have like a, a, a goal of exactly where I want to be. Um, and I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to to say that I don't need to have a goal right now. So yeah, well, check this out. If you reach this part of the video, please do subscribe, like, share. Obviously, you can follow Dr. Betsy. We'll leave a link in the description below to her Instagram and socials. Is there anything you'd like to shout out or let the world know? Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I share a lot of information about relationships um, with yourself as well as others, kind of like what I was talking about throughout today's um, uh, session. So uh, my IG handle is love always at uh, Dr. Betsy. Yep. <laughs> Link own. in the description below. You guys check her out. Her page is amazing. Uh, obviously, like, subscribe, share. We said all that. Dude, did you know that 75% of the people who watch our videos aren't subscribed? It's crazy. Really? Yeah, huh. like it's 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 crazy. And we're like, guys, subscribe. It's free. So why don't you let the 75% of the people know what happens to them if they choose not to subscribe? <laughs> they don't get to learn anything. There you go. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You just don't get to learn anything. Well, <laughs> it, it's been a pleasure. This is a good episode. This is usually how we sign out. It's a salute to cover the camp and peace. As well, of filmmakers. I mean, the, the thing is, Previously in the Middle East, it wasn't something that your parents or uh, would have pushed you to it. You know, you would have, they would always push the handies and the doctor and all of this because right. for them it used to make the, the right amount of money and uh, like creative the creative aspect of 
the, the of them pushing us towards it was never there. No one would tell you, yeah, go study film and create movies because no one believes that we'll make enough money. And um, now with the, with, with the digital world, with people uh, getting to share, and these smaller movies, like you said, they have a better chance now to, to go on platforms where people would 